The Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. It is 409, 56 degrees and cloudy here at the station in Pittston. The Rob O'Donnell Show is brought to you by Road Scholar Transport. You have unique shipping needs, and Road Scholar has unique shipping solutions. Dry van, temperature controlled, and high security are just a few. Visit roadscholar.com. Got um, Don't know where it went now. Looking at some text messages here. Somebody asked a question. I was looking to get them the answer, but I uh, lost... Uh, Oh, here it goes. What's the voter error that Paul Michaels is talking about? Yeah, I meant to talk about that earlier, but got caught up with some phone calls. But uh, there's ballot problems limited to 14 wards in Wilkesbury. All other voters may return their ballots. Uh, Luzerne County voters outside of 14 wards in Wilkesbury city may return mail-in ballots for the November 7th election without any issues. County manager said Sunday. On Saturday, Crocomo announced the County Election Bureau is correcting an error that impacted 1,557 voters in Wilkes-Barre's wards 2 through 8 and 14 through 20. Again, if you live in Wilkes-Barre wards 2 through 8 or 14 through 20, 1,557 uh, voters in those areas are impacted by this error. The error only impacts the race for Wilkes-Barre City Council. It was caused by a data mismatch with a file that correlates voting precincts and city council districts. Caracamo wrote in an email to county officials, Wilkes-Barre elects city council members by districts. The election bureau canceled the affected ballots and the ID numbers associated with them the county manager said. The voters were notified by email that their ballots were canceled and that they will receive corrected ballots soon. However, the only voters impacted by the error in Wilkes-Barre wards 2 through 8 and 14 through 20. Voters in other wards in Wilkes-Barre and all county voters outside of Wilkes-Barre may return ballots as usual, she said. Voters may either return their ballots by mail or deposit them in a drop box. So basically the 1,557 ballots that were sent out that had uh, errors in them have been canceled, although they're out, and they will be issuing new ones, and they will have a way to trace the canceled ones and the new ones when they get put in then. And, and you know, just, again, I had this slated to talk earlier today, but when has... This ballot office, this election office, sent out something that didn't need to be corrected in the last three years of elections. I mean, have they gotten one right yet? You know, they've misspelled names. There's been errors in almost every ballot they've sent out. So it's just a... Obviously, the steps that they've taken in Luzerne County... Election Bureau have not made the changes that they've expected them to make. So, again, at what point do we just clean house totally and maybe start from scratch? Or do we try to patch incompetence back and forth? And, again, uh, the results of every ballot that goes out, every election cycle we've had for the past few 
have been compromised by errors like this. Thankfully, they caught it. Thankfully, it's being corrected. But come on now. Come on now. So, you know, that that was the information on that. I'm glad you brought it up because it gave me the opportunity to go back to it. Uh, More so on this time, the CEO of the bankrupt electric vehicle company is still on top White House Advisory Council. This is just crazy. Greg Joyce, the CEO and board member of a California-based electric bus maker, Proterra, continues to serve on a top White House counsel advising President Biden on trade policy even after his company filed for bankruptcy. Joyce has served on the White House Export Council, the principal National Advisory Committee on International Trade, which advises Biden on government policies and programs that affect U.S. trade performance since February. According to the Commerce Department's uh, International Trade Administration, Joyce remains a member of that council. So we, we have the President of the United States taking advice from the CEO of a company that went bankrupt on what we should be doing as far as U.S. trade performance and international policies and government policies when it comes to that. In August, Joyce's company, Proterra, filed for Chapter 11 reorganization under the U.S. Bankruptcy Code as a result of negative financial performance. He explained at the time that Proterra, despite its bankruptcy filing, had created a foundation setting the stage for decarbonization across the commercial vehicle industries as a whole. While our best-in-class EV and battery technologies have set an industry standard, we have faced various markets and macroeconomic headwinds that have impacted our ability to efficiently scale all of our opportunities simultaneously, Joyce said on August 7th. Basically, he just said nothing. To the American people. Obviously a well-educated man. Doesn't really get into his background and such there. But he he basically just gave you two paragraphs of mumbo-jumbo that mean, means absolutely nothing. Your company failed. You went bankrupt. You have a best-in-class EV and battery technology, but it's failing. Then, then one of two things. Either you're running your company incompetently or... The EV market and battery technology is not ready for where you say it is. So it's one or two things. You can't have it both ways. But here you go in American politics. When you fail, you usually fail upward as long as you have the right agenda or the right letter after your name. So here he is still advising the president on foreign business and and U.S. trade performance. Joyce's continued role advising the White House, White House, which is, has lauded him for his work accelerating the transition of transit and other commercial vehicles to zero emission solutions. So he's being lauded by the White House and those who surround him for his work accelerating the transition of transit and other commercial vehicles to zero emission solutions. But his own company, to that fact, has failed, has claimed for you can't make this up, guys. You can't. We're being led by morons. It's unclear why Joyce, having overseen the failure of Proterra, should continue to advise 
you on issues such as great importance to our nation's economic security and well-being. Our energy, state Senate Energy and National Resource Committee ranking member John Barrasso of Wyoming said, who's calling for his removal. It appears that by retaining Joyce, you are continuing to play polit- political favors with the company your administration has systematically promoted time and again since you took office. Proterra, meanwhile, has been boosted by Biden on multiple occasions since he took office in January 2021. On April 20th of 2021, Biden hosted a virtual White House event to spotlight Proterra's business. During the event, Proterra's executive took the president on a virtual tour of the company's South Carolina manufacturing facility where the buses are assembled. I want you to know, I used to be a bus driver, Biden remarked at the conclusion of the event. You think I'm kidding? I'm not. I worked my way through law school driving a school bus. Now we all know that's a lie. I'm going to come down and see you in person, so I look forward to seeing you all, he concluded. Now, we all know that, you know, his gaffe of saying that he used to be a bus driver. On many occasions, he's promoted this company, which has now failed, filed for bankruptcy. But yet, here's the guy that's spinning that as, hey, we were groundbreaking and revolutionary. We just didn't have the right time. Right time for what? Everybody's pushing EV technology. Everyone's pushing this on America. This is the next thing, right? Well, then why is it failing? It's one big circle. And we're being led by morons. It just truly is. You know, Biden has touted his support for billions of dollars of federal funding to accelerate the adoption of zero-emission transit buses and school buses during the tour. Regarding that, regardless of that... Here's a company that's one of the only companies that's doing this just failed. So what is that saying? And again, I'm not against pursuing EV technology. I'm not against pursuing alternate energy technology when it's the right time. And I can pretty much guarantee you when some of the top companies in this field are filing for bankruptcy, it's not the right time. They're not there yet. Obviously, why else are they failing? But our president still has this guy on his top advisory board telling him how uh, U.S. trade opportunities and performance should, should happen and take place. It's uh, You can't make it up. You can't make it I was reading this story, and every time this guy had an opportunity to, to talk, this uh, Gareth Joyce the CEO and board member of a California-based electric bus maker, Proterra, which has been touted by the Biden administration many times, has been given subsidies, has been given contracts, and still file for bankruptcy. Saying that they're the groundbreaking, while our best-in-class EV and battery technology has set the industry standard. That's his quote. Your company just went bankrupt. Is, is, so you can't have it both ways. Either you're the best-in-class EV and battery technologies that set the industry standard and it's failing because we're not there yet, or you didn't create a good enough product or ran it into the ground. Which, which one is it here? You can't have it both ways. The spin can't happen. You can't look at this and say, oh, they just needed the opportunity. The opportunity for what? Everything's being pushed in this direction. 
If this isn't the opportunity, when is it? But they're filing for bankruptcy while they, uh, while he still advises the president. So thankfully, you know, we at least have one senator that's saying, why is this guy still on this advisory board if he's running a company that just went bankrupt? You know, usually we get successful people to advise you. When you get mentors, it's usually people who are good at doing the things that you would like to do or pursue, or they have something to bring to the table. Understandable. It's not a hard request. That's usually you like to surround yourself with the best and brightest in the in the room. Doesn't appear to be the case. And and as our as our senator from Pennsylvania said, the people of America are not sending their best and brightest to D.C. And if there was never a self-own comment such as that. I don't know what is. I mean, he immediately knew it when it came out of his mouth. But he had to probably read what he said because he doesn't really understand half the things he says. But he's right. It's one of the things I will agree with him on. America is not sending their best and brightest to D.C. whatsoever. It's 422 here at WILK. $12 billion spend this year they expect on Halloween. Man, wow. Got some text messages saying Halloween's becoming a more and more adult holiday. And people are decorating just as much as they do for Christmas. I've seen it. You're definitely right. I, I mean, I have some friends who went all out. It's just never been a, never been a big thing for for me. I guess. I mean, my kids all went trick or treating when they were younger, and such. I I got an actual good story about trick or treating when my kids were younger when I lived on Long Island. But a little closer to home here, we talked about that. Uh, West Pittston Town Council, who was not going to let them close the road for the safety of trick-or-treaters because of uh, they didn't the families there didn't take out insurance coverage to close out the street like block parties normally do if they have whole block yard sales or stuff like that, where this was more of a public safety issue. There's more kids. I mean, they expect anywhere between 1,500 and 2,500 from the reports that I've seen it's a very nice area of West Pittston and, you know, has the older houses real conducive to decorating for Halloween for trick-or-treating. And I guess it's getting bigger and bigger each year. Over on uh, in West Pittston on Delaware Avenue, it will be closed to ensure everyone's safety as hordes of trick-or-treaters seek candy and thrills on Halloween, Borough Mayor Angelo Alfano said. So it looks like they, this has come to some kind of a, a, arrangement. It's not a 100% done deal, but it looks like it's getting there. The dispute over whether borough officials would authorize the closure of Delaware Avenue, perhaps the most popular trick-or-treating spot in the region, appears to be resolved through the generosity of a local businessman, Rob Breshanahan, Alfano said. Breshanahan, president and CEO of Kualchik Construction in Exeter, offered to pay for the special event insurance coverage to ensure the road closer will turn Halloween Town into a monster mash that could attract thousands, the mayor said. Uh, this this business will also be providing tower lights to help light the street for the safety of everyone. West Pittston Borough Council declined to authorize the request for road, road closer last week 
with uh, the council majority citing lack of insurance coverage. Council later approved the motion to allow the closure if those involved in Halloween Town obtain insurance. It's a standard practice for groups who request a street closure for events such as block parties to take out an insurance policy, they said. And I get that. I, I get if you're having a block party, if you're closing off that street for the residents on that block to have a party, if you are having a community yard sale where everyone on that block is going to be setting up in the street to sell you know, their stuff at a yard sale, I get it there. But to close the street down for safety reasons by simply saying, hey, we're not going to have any events in the street. There's just too many kids on this block for cars to safely come down there. I think it's a different animal. I think it's a different, I think common sense should have prevailed. The mere fact that it went down this road is just outrageous to begin with. It shows that, you know, a lot of our elected officials, uh, officials, as a matter of fact, most of them have lacked common sense. They check it at the door when they take these positions. Thankfully... It was able to rise where, you know, a business owner in the area said, you know what, I'll take care of this. We'll make sure it's right for everyone. And, and that's the whole purpose, right? The, you know, the, these town councils, these boroughs, these they want their communities to have community involvement. They want this, you know, inclusive aura that, you know, everybody gets along, everybody does the right thing, everybody's a enjoyable community to live in, it's an enjoyable community to work in or visit and then they do stuff like this, which is totally the opposite of that. And I understand looking out for the financial well-being of the borough. This just wasn't that opportunity. This is you overstepping your authority, thinking that you you want to stick your nose in something that was quite simply, hey, this is a public safety issue. We're going to leave it to the police department and the mayor to close that street if they seem fit during that evening. End of story. That's as simple as this needed to be. The second it was brought up, this town council should have said, hey, we're not going to make a decision on this. We're going to table your motion. We hear the community's uh, request to close the street, but I'm going to defer to the police chief in this area to say that, you know, if you see fit to close that street, you close it based on the public safety call at that time. End of story. It's done. But, no, we had to go through this, read an article how they denied this, how they were going to ruin Halloween, and now, thankfully, happy ending at the end where... Uh, a business comes, steps forward, and uh, does the right thing. And uh, not only, like I said, is he getting the insurance policy, but he is also will provide overhead lighting towers and signage to ensure the safe community celebration for anyone, especially children. I applaud the small business who did this, and uh, hopefully the Pitts, West Pittston council saw what they did wrong here it's received a 10 million dollar grant just before they filed for bankruptcy and i'm seeing all different kind of numbers out there as far as what this uh what this company a proterra had received and it looks like it was part of the same investment from the obama era 139 million dollar grant that went to uh you know that starting with Solyndra and now this here but again it's taxpayer funds that go to a company and it also looks like that this company just went public at 1.6 billion merger
And venture capital behemoth Kleiner Perkins, led by Chairman John Doerr, will hold up to 9.3% of Proterra's shares once the company goes public in a $1.6 billion merger, according to SEC documents. President Joe Biden has publicized the company on multiple occasions following the merger announcement, going as far as touting a Proterra factory to tout his proposed $45 billion government investment in clean, zero-emissions buses. Dewar's involvement in the green energy company favored by Biden is nothing new. So this article came out May 19th of 2021. This company, Proterra, went public at $1.6 billion, was invested by a ton of people, including money grants given by the United States taxpayer, and then filed for bankruptcy. So yeah, you know, I think it's a valid discussion to have that this is the these are the people advising our current president. So, uh, but really, if Donald Trump hurts you that much, you really need to seek talking to someone, get some help, find a hobby. Plenty to do here in Northeast Pennsylvania. There's leaf leaf peeping time. It's hunting season. You can go for hikes. You can do a lot of things: crocheting, knitting. There's plenty of things you guys can do. Bottle cap collecting. I don't know if bottle caps are around anymore. Oh, either or. You'll find something. It's 4.32 here in WILK. It's time for the news with Paul Michaels. It's the point of the show where we honor our heroes across America who made the ultimate sacrifice. 72 police officers made the ultimate sacrifice on this day. Five of them from here in Pennsylvania. We're going to start off with Corporal Michael Douglas Beverly. Chester City Police Department in 2001 was shot and killed while on patrol near 10th and Ward Streets at approximately 9.30 p.m. Two suspects were apprehended the following year. One of the killers was convicted of murder and sentenced to life in prison in March of 2004. Next, we have uh, Trooper Robert D. Lapp, Jr., Pennsylvania State Police in 1972, was shot and killed while serving a warrant to a fugitive. As Trooper Lapp and other officers entered the suspect's apartment, a single shot was fired, killing Trooper Lapp. The officers returned fire, killing the suspect. Patrolman James V. Timpona, Pittsburgh Bureau of Police in 1958, was struck and killed by a streetcar while working a school crossing at the intersection of Frank Towns Road and Putnam Street. We also have Patrolman Joseph John Jernkak, Jernkak, Erie Police Department in 1918, was struck and killed via switch engine at the Pennsylvania Railroad course crossing at 12th Street while making his rounds. Constable William Shields, Pennsylvania State Constable, Allegheny County in 1903, was shot and killed in the Glassport Hotel along Allegheny Avenue in Glassport while attempting to serve a warrant. And those are our five from our area here in uh, Pennsylvania. And as always, our thoughts and prayers for safety go out to all our first responders that are out there. Our paid and volunteer firefighters, our EMTs, both paid and volunteer, you know, and our law enforcement all around the Commonwealth, from our sheriffs to our local towns, to our cities, to our game commissions, to the state police, state troopers that are out there. There are plenty, and they're out there doing that job each and every day as uh, as we move forward. So this where a report calls Pennsylvania a taxpayer sinkhole an organization that ranks the fiscal health of all the states, said Pennsylvania scored a D 
after records showed the government lacked enough, lacked enough money to pay the bills in 2022. The recently released 14th Annual Financial State of the States report by Truth in Accounting found even though Pennsylvania's financial condition improved last year, it still needs $51.3 billion to pay its bills. Based upon the state's audited financial report for fiscal year 2022, Pennsylvania had a taxpayer burden, get this, of $11,300, the amount every taxpayer would have to contribute to get the state out of debt. Like many states, the press relief release provided Pennsylvania's economic condition improved due to federal funding for COVID relief and increased tax collections attributed to taxpayers' pent-up tourism and purchasing demands. However, unfunded pensions and other employee retirement obligations continue to plague the state. They note that even though Pennsylvania Financial Report was for the fiscal year ending June 30th, 2022, the state employee's retirement system liability was measured for the year ending December 31st, 2021, In that fiscal year, the report says the liability decreased because the system's investments experienced an unrealized gain of 17.2%, a $5.7 billion increase. The calculated uh, amount of the state's unfunded retiree health promises also declined because of an increase in the discount rates used to calculate the current value of benefits to be paid in the future. Well, it's good to see that they made $5.7 billion in unrealized gains of 17.2%. But if you followed your 401k and your investments, I don't see the state system uh, making that kind of money you know, in 2023. From what I've seen lately, I just got my 401k and man, did, did I get some kind of hit. So uh, that's the report on uh, Pennsylvania financial system. Uh, we get a D as per this uh Truth in Accounting report by the 14th Annual Financial State of States. Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio, 103.1 FM, 910, 980 AM, or anywhere on that Odyssey app. Got a text message in here. Uh, Rob, I'm sorry, but I disagree with your assumptions. I've heard you say four times since Friday that people from Hazleton texting WILK pointing out no longer can listen to your show, are listening somehow. How do you know that? I can no longer get your show driving around from the Hazleton area in either AM or FM. I've been texting all WIOK shows for 20 years, marginalized in Hazleton, now two all-Spanish stations. And I apologize for that, but if, if you're listening in Hazleton or if you're from Hazleton, it's no slight on our part. This was a done before, or this was done above, a, you know, our doing here. It's not like I wanted to slight my manner. The least thing I wanted to do was shrink my listening area. So, you know, it, it unfortunately, there's FCC rules where if you have an AF, FM station in an area, it's got to be married to an AM station. You know, it's been explained, but I, I, I get it. You know, I'm I'm as angry as you are. I've brought those concerns up, and I, I implore you guys to bring your concerns up to the powers that be. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can get something down there, you know, pairing a station to uh, get you guys in Hazleton listening. I understand 980 is staticky. I understand the FM signal does not catch through there. 
Uh, believe me, I, I hear you and I see you guys in Hazleton. I, I, I appreciate your support. I know you're listening. I want you to continue to listen. I want to give you all the avenues you can to listen, which is why I'm pushing the Odyssey app. Again, it's a free app. Once you navigate how it works and it hooks right up to your CarPlay, you can control it just like your radio. It's actually pretty pretty neat with the CarPlay, depending on which kind of phone you have. Either you have Apple and it's CarPlay and whatever the, the Google Play is. I don't even know that. You know, I got my Apple stuff down, and once I learn my technology, I don't like learning anything new. But I hear you out there, and, you know, that's why I'm going to continue to do my best to get the signal to you guys. I understand. But, you know, this is something that's out of the on-air personality control here at WILK, and it's going to serve another portion of the community there. I get that, and I hope you get that. But change, like I said, change is just that. It's change. Some people are going to love it. Some people aren't going to like it. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can come up with something. The only way to do that is keep listening somehow. Keep calling the powers that be and say, hey, you want to get WILK? You want a news radio station? You want to listen to Penn State? You want to hear those things? And maybe something could be worked out, uh, like I said. And what's going what's gonna to determine that is the, the call for it, the need. You know, if there's the call for it, then I could see them looking to do anything. If it's just a couple of voices saying, hey, we no longer get it, then it'll be just that. So, again, I apologize. And if you followed me on social media, you've seen my posts. I hear you guys. I see you in Hazleton. And uh, I want you to continue to be a part of this show. So hopefully you can. You can WILKnewsradio.com, the Odyssey app. If not, the podcast, you can download them and listen whenever you want to listen that's convenient from you. And I understand technology is just that. It's technology. It gets in the way of a lot of things. I like to keep keep things simple. I'm sure you guys like to keep things simple. But when I'm traveling in the area, I mean, even up by my house, I don't get a lot of the signals here. I get the FM station a little bit. It gets kind of scratchy, especially after sunset. But, uh, you know, we're, we're growing something good here, and I want you guys to be along for the ride. So don't don't jump off the bus just yet. This isn't an EV bus. This is gas-powered. We're going to get you there one way or another. And and believe me, I've, I've relayed your concerns to the powers that be because uh, I don't want to lose you as an audience as well. So that's where we stand with that. You see, get me Penn State string, strom, strong. <laughs> <laughs> little text uh, correction there, I guess, for the text messages. It's um, 4.53 here at WILK. We'll be back with the Rob O'Donnell Show after these messages. Got a text message. Again, you can call a text at 570-883-0098. It says, hello, here's a Halloween story for you. When I was little, I was told to only go to the houses that had lights on. Well, when you're little and you're going down the street and you see a house lit up, not sure what a funeral home is, I saw lights and was thinking candy. Well, I didn't get any candy. Yeah, that would scare scare the young young ones for sure. Uh, I, I'll give you a little ironic uh, Halloween story. When, when I lived out on Long Island, we lived on a huge cul-de-sac. Now, the cul-de-sac was probably 150 homes that this whole cul-de-sac was on. And, uh, you know, we had my son. My daughters weren't born yet. My neighbors to our to our left had a son the same age, same age couple as we were, young couple just getting started. He worked for the Long Island Railroad and was a contractor. 
uh, we got along real well. His brother had also had a kid about the same age, so li- lived the next town over, but came over to go trick-or-treating with us. And, and we had the wagons. You know, my son was a couple years old, and we'd put him in the wagon. We had a cooler in the wagon. We had a couple wagons for the, for the other kids, and we'd go around the cul-de-sac and go from door to door. And uh, it was a tight-knit neighborhood, and so people would come out, and it turned out that not only were they giving the kids gifts, but they started giving us gifts as far as drinks as we were going around the big cul-de-sac. And it was fun. We had a ball. We had a great time and, uh, you know, ended up meeting a lot of the neighbors that we didn't know, talking to them. You know, it was just a good time. The next year I came home from work and I was working the early shift. So I was working from like six to two. So I'd get home about three thirty, four o'clock. And just as it was about to before to get dark, there's probably about 15 guys and their kids in front of my house with their wagons and coolers going, hey, are we going trick-or-treating this year? My wife opens the door, and she's like, uh, what's going on? They're like, oh, your husband was great. We need, we're all going trick-or-treating with him this year. You know, you all came to our house, so now we're, we're going to come here and get started from here so we could do the whole circuit with you guys. And after that, of course, you know, I invited the entire community to our house for a party, so, uh, you know, that was my, uh, that was my Halloween uh, story from Long Island. My wife told me, never do that again, please. I say, we got to meet all the neighbors. It was a good time. So that's uh, that was um, probably the last time that I really went out for Halloween. But with the daughters, you know, we got them all dressed up. Rural Pennsylvania is hard because there's really, I mean, I think there's four homes on my entire road and three of them are farms or two of them are farms. So it really is hard to to do trick-or-treating in rural Pennsylvania. So we'd have to go to the towns like down in in uh, our area with friends where they lived and such. But, uh, you know, I get it. If, you, if it's what you celebrate, have a good time with it. Other than that, I really, you know, did did a little bit. But now that the kids are all grown, really doesn't don't do much for Halloween anymore. And like I said, we don't get trick or treaters up in our rural area. It's uh, five o'clock here on WILK News Radio. We'll be back with the Rob O'Donnell Show after the top of the hour. <laughs> 